Hello everyone and welcome to the Truthfully Human podcast. I'm Courtney and today I'm here with my co-host Victor. At Truthfully Human podcast, our aim is to provide a platform for real people to share their unique and inspiring stories, giving us all a lesson at the end of it. Today's guest is Walter Thompson, a friend of ours with a degree in philosophy, an ambition to be mayor and bag loads of charisma. We'll be touching on his time in the American education system and as a narcotics addict. Now, it's worth mentioning that my nickname is Cootie, so at some points Walter refers to me as that. On top of that, we'd like to mention that the views you're about to hear are those of Walter's and not our own. With that said, we really hope you enjoy. Hello everyone, today we are here with our friend Walter Thompson. Hello Walter! Hey Walter, how are you? <laughs> I'm breathing, how are you? <laughs> Likewise. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, we're going to jump straight into the questions. Um, actually, Walter, before that, do you want to introduce yourself at all? I mean, I don't know that there's much more to add. I'm 36, born and raised in Colorado, here in good old Burgerland, and probably one of the most uh, verbose pieces of shit you'll ever be uh, subjected to in your life. <laughs> Wonderful. We wouldn't have you any other way. I think Victor's got the first question for you, Victor, if you'd like to get into it. Yeah, of course. So before we get into the main topic again, Walt, you're a black male living in the USA. Black Lives Matter was a major movement last year as well, which is fantastic. And Trump didn't get his second term as well. Not to mention, we've got a global pandemic as well. So how has 2020 and the start of 2021 been for you, Walt? Mm, 2020 as a whole was uh, inactive. I sat back and I watched because I'm fortunate enough to be in a position where, you know, the financial woes that were incurred upon most of my countrymen didn't really affect me. I could just take a break and live off of my savings and not really worry about it. The the Black Lives Matter thing, I don't know, just to circle back to that, you know, there was an original Black Lives Matter here in America that was founded in the late 70s. And these people were pretty damn conservative by comparative measures to today's Black Lives Matter and a lot less uh, of an adjutant to society. None of the, you know, public harassing or burning buildings down or any of the other nonsense that we saw during the four years that Trump was running America. The start of 2021 for me personally, to stay on topic, has been nothing short of hilarious. Watching Joe Biden sign executive order after executive order and LARPing around as though he matters or anyone really respects him in any degree that that like he has no merit. And I'm actually really disheartened by that because the start of 2021 to me just signals that America is faster and faster becoming less of what it was meant to be when it was founded in the first place over 300 years ago. So how do you expect, and I know this isn't necessarily what we're going to be talking about, but how do you expect the next four years of American history to pan out? What do you see? A lot of strife. I mean, even more so than we saw during the presidency of Donald Trump, you know, and just not to hark on it or anything, but just a brief reminder, we saw, I can pull up a video where it was literally an elderly Mexican man and his 16 year old son walking down the street in MAGA hats, and they were physically accosted 
by a group of black mask wielding Antifa yelling, we hate fascist type LARPing commies. That being behind us now, it's really funny because what's been the reaction to Joe Biden taking office? It, has there has there been any similar reaction to the opposition of Joe Biden that was presented for the four years in opposition to Donald Trump while they continuously lied and slandered and smeared people with false allegations and false narratives? I mean, the, the young man in the MAGA hat that had the Indian approach him, the entire media here tried to say that white boy in the MAGA hat sought him out. And then the video evidence came out and we all saw that it was actually the Indian who was, it's like, we're a country that is truly free. And it's obvious in the most painful of ways because liars can lie here. And unfortunately, people that believe them can believe it. The next four years here in America, I'll be honest with the slip ups. I don't know if you guys are aware, but Joe Biden has already made three faux pas that are on video where he refers to Vice President Kamala Harris as President Harris. <laughs> All right. If that's not telling, I don't know what is. So I see a lot of internal strife for American civilians in the next four years because the political ley lines have never been so deeply divided. And most people on either side of the aisle are entirely unwilling to try and engage in civil discourse to find common middle ground. And that's a problem. That's where I believe it was Abraham Lincoln said, a house divided among itself cannot stand. It can't. It simply can't. No, entirely. And, you know, all of the uproar and frustration you're feeling, we have a little bit of that in the UK because, you know, last year in particular was a very turbulent year for us with Brexit. Um, we had a, a large BLM movement here in the UK too, among so many other things. So I definitely, you know, perhaps um, to a much smaller degree, feel what you're feeling. And I mean, personally, and you've spoken about things very generally, very, very broadly from a kind of a top line perspective there. But personally, how do you think that the next four years might impact you? Um, well, I mean, I'm running for mayor of my city next year. Oh, congratulations. So as wow. Far as, as far as getting involved in the political machine to try and make it more efficient, uh, I, I don't have a choice anymore because not that you asked, but my younger sister told me she would lose a great deal of respect for me if I didn't do something with what I have. And that's a logical statement to me. And she's right. I am a very complacent hermit type individual, but if push comes to shove, I'll shove. You know what I mean? And when I'm surrounded by people that are not only proven incompetent for the extremely important positions that they have in our societal hierarchy, then I have to be the change that I want to see by getting involved. So the next four years for me, I'll be honest, I'm focused here. You know, I, you know me, Cootie and Vic, I pay attention to everything humans do as best that I can on a global scale, but the immediate is my home, is my community, is my son's school, is my, uh, my city's court, uh, judges, you know, like I'm focused on the immediate for the next four years. I'm focused on making sure that the current mayor is replaced by someone that takes their job seriously and doesn't just use it to get what they want for themselves while being able to lie to the people they're supposed to be in favor of by definition of their job 
bad faith actors need to be replaced is is my tldr of it and in my next four years i'm aiming to make that happen here where i am you feel me the same way that if i lived in your community or your community vic i if i felt the same way about the people that were elected to lead or deal with the most important of matters that we as humans face on a societal level and i weren't happy with it i'd be seeking to replace them like that's my next four years is focusing on commerce cities uh hierarchical integrity because again once that goes away man it's so easy to take everything else from people who would have happily lived law-abiding lives but when you're being led by malevolent humans you can only expect a malevolent end and that's not okay for people like you me and victor and everybody else that's of a similar mindset where We would prefer to live and let live. My neighbor across the street is a devout Muslim, right? Down the street from me is a practicing Santeria fucking uh, witch doctor, if you will. Someone that has a long lineage of Santeria. So uh, the point that I'm making with this is I've got all of these conflicting uh, spiritual ideologies around me, but we all agree on a common thread that the differences we have in what we pray to in what we find sexually arousing and what we align to politically, those should never be enough that we can't peacefully live amongst one another while acknowledging the things that make us different. What's the alternative? I'm going to kill you for being a practicing Santeria yes. person. Like, no, How ridiculous. <laughs> Exactly. And that's the one thing I give, you know, the United Kingdom in spades is you guys don't sensationalize anything that isn't already sensationalized on its own. You address the hardest facets of reality with a calm demeanor and a soft spoken tone, which is the best way to do it, because as much as it may hurt to hear about what people have done, it hurts even more that people do it in the first place. Can very much appreciate that Walt but I can assure you we have our fair share of shitty tabloids and all the rest here but um, I do want to say that real big kudos to your sister for highlighting that you do have potential and that you need to put it to use sometimes it's that accountability that can really get us somewhere uh, and you know we're so excited to see what happens for you in terms of being mayor of your city so really <laughs> really hope that one goes well for you we'll be rooting for you the whole way a hundred percent. So just um, just to lead us back to the main focus uh, of why we're here today, you want to speak to us about making it through the education system in the USA. So um, just, you know, broadly, can you tell us a little bit more about it and some of the struggles you face personally? In the broadest of strokes, the American education system does a lot of things right. But, and this is where the caveat becomes really fucking huge, you don't get without paying here. If you understand that, like the public education system in America as a whole is lacking. That's the nicest way that I can say it. And it really breaks my heart because the majority of people that you'll meet within the educational system, public or private here in America are genuine, are generally people, humans that have dedicated themselves to passing on knowledge to you know, other humans that will eventually become adults in the hopes that they will be functional, self-serving adults after they reach adulthood. But they're in this system where 
they get these ridiculous demands. You have to have so many students pass at this GPA or this or that, and then they're not given the tools to do them. I, this is a wraparound thing, but that's why unions exist here in America is because a lot of workers here from schools to janitors to cooks to all sorts of different jobs here in America, they're given ridiculous workloads and then they are not given the tools that would allow you to reasonably assume they could carry those workloads out. Do you understand me? Like if you're going to if you're going to put high demands on your employees, then you need to at least give them the things that, you know, would enable them to meet those high demands. And that's a big problem here with the education system is the majority of teachers. I don't know if you've looked into this, but a lot of teachers here in America in the public school system specifically, which is what I'm talking about, they spend their own money on teaching supplies for their freaking students because the school's budget simply doesn't allow for it, which, you know, is a, is a, is a shit rolls downhill kind of thing, pardon my language, but the school doesn't have enough funding because the state doesn't allocate enough funding because this doesn't allocate. And it's this really nasty. One person says, I'm going to hold on to my purse really tight, which ends up screwing everybody down the line. And in a nutshell, that's, that's what we face here. Um, really passionate people that want to do their jobs well, but they're not given the tools to do them properly. Could you imagine hire you have a 10 story freaking glass building and you hire a window cleaner, but you refuse to give them a lift. Yeah. Like, how do you expect them to clean the windows? You expect them to Spider-Man up it or something like that's not reasonable. Not so. <laughs> not so. Yeah. It's really a shame to see that, that the local governments really, really under-prioritize uh, the education system, when especially they know for a fact that their environment, that their municipality or councils will improve on the long term if they would only spend more money on education. From your experience, do you perhaps see that they could be like misspending funds in a certain way? or? Well, I mean, I could tell you a funny story that ties directly into that. When I was in uh, my junior year of high school, 11th grade, right? Um, we had the opportunity to have a new computer lab in our high school. Like, uh, at the time, state of the art, right? Like, the mm -hmm. best that you could buy. And it had a pretty hefty price tag. But, like you pointed out in your observation earlier, the long-term gain was worth the initial investment. If I can spend $500 today and I'm guaranteed to make $5,000 five years down the line, that first $500 is negligible. That, that's a no-brainer. That's a no-contest. Um, instead of getting the computer lab, the the governmental body of my city at that time decided to open a new driving range for golfers. Oh my god. That's goodness. where the money went. That's ridiculous, isn't it? Now see, <laughs> you know, it's really to such a different demographic. <laughs> and it's hilarious that, you know, I have to bring that up because that was 1999. So, you know, that was not too long ago, but it was a while ago. And since then I am more than happy to say, uh, prior to the last three and a half years with the current mayor that we have of our city, we, you know, and that's the thing that I always like pointing out to uh, my friends in Europe and other places that aren't America is we are so compartmentalized here that 
the way of doing things literally changes with competent and incompetent leaders. In 1999, my city had very incompetent leaders, which is why instead of a computer lab for kids that were about to graduate high school, we got a new fucking driving range for golfers. That changed, you know, in the subsequent time I graduated from high school in 2000, right? And our city's mayor changed and she was phenomenal in a single word. She understood what the people wanted. She understood how to implement it. And boy, did she go gangbusters. Educational funding was at an all-time high for my district. And as a result, every single school here from, I mean, kindergartens here, right? Like the most basic of schools, they have tablets, and they're teaching kids about the dangers of the internet and the usefulness of it. The, they're educating these kids in the most meaningful way possible. And they have the tools to show them at the same time. So by the time my son's 13 years old, he's as proficient on the internet as I was when I was 25. Because his entire life has been surrounded by this technology. The same way that when I came to be 13 years old, I was so used to television. It was unremarkable to me. Same as I'm, I'm sure it was for both of you. You know what I mean? Like it's this beautiful, it's this beautiful progression of things when the right people are given trust to make decisions for the rest of us in a very reductionist nutshell. That's what government is supposed to function as. You elect the best of per your view and your standard of merit. And these people act on your behalf as best they can. That's the ideal. And as often as the ideal doesn't exist, to say that it never exists is a falsehood. And that's what makes me so happy about where I live, particularly in America, is I look around and I see so many failures and I see so many bad faith actors acting in their own interest out to throw anybody under the bus they can if it means more money or more property or more this or more that. But on the alternate side, I also see a lot of really amazing people that are putting in the work to prove that, you know, you can't throw the baby out with the bathwater. You can't. Oh, of course. You yeah. can't. Autonomy is such a fucking beautiful thing, but it's also really horrendous. It's all about the individual. Yeah. It's all about the individual you touched on your ultimate low point in high school now that you have um the power of hindsight what roughly two decades of hindsight would you say that looking at your son and how he experiences school would you say that his experience differs a lot to yours without a doubt it's day and night because like i pointed on earlier you know it's all about the the people that we assume we can trust to do the most important jobs for our society and in this case the educators of you know the district that my son is in right now, they're they're leaps and bounds ahead of the worst I've ever dealt with, and they're still a comfortable margin ahead of the best I had that got me to where I am. Right, so I know every one of his teachers. Right, on a first name basis, we we are. It's this really nice thing where the relationship matters beyond that he's their student and they're his teacher. I want to know them as the adult that I am. They want me to know them as the adult that they are. We converse. We spend free time together. We get together at, you know, public gatherings for barbecues. And 
when you actually know who you're dealing with beyond the profession, it provides so much more comfort in your ability to trust that they're doing the best that they can by your child because they genuinely give a damn about your kid as much as you do. So, yeah. And it's one thing I'm actually thankful for regarding COVID because the whole physical space thing, you know, there's a long discussion to be had about the benefits of being able to introduce children to socializing in person so they can acquiesce to what will later become the workplace and this and that and the other thing. But there's also a lot of benefit in removing the distraction of physicality in regard to providing a stream of knowledge to a child that may otherwise have a hard time receiving it in that location with the kids around them. So 2020, personally, like for my son was a boon. His grades went up exponentially after they closed the school down and he started doing classes at home where he was in his room on his laptop. And now he doesn't have to worry about the kids around him. Now he doesn't have to worry about, you know, changing from one class to the other. He's in the comfort of his own home and therefore was able to focus a lot more on the information being given to him and apply it. So I'm like, that's that's pretty cool. Like, yeah. if there were ever a silver lining to all of this draconian nonsense where they're telling us, stay home, do this, do that, six feet, blah, 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 that would be my personal silver lining. Like, I, yeah, my son's educational experience is in no way, shape, or form similar to mine, and I'm really happy for that. I've, I look at his, and I compare it to mine, and I'm like, he's got it the way I would hope all kids have it. You feel me? That's fantastic. Yeah, yeah, uh, going through that, so now we've also established that the education system has obviously improved in, uh, in let's say, your area over the past 20 or so years. But at its current state, all right, from what you've learned through your son, uh, through other children as well, what would you like to see in, uh, what change would you like to see in the education system at its current state? The same change I would like to see in every arena of professions that affect the rest of us on the ground level. So education, political, religious, etc. I want to see the end of bad faith actors being able to act with impunity. I want to see liars being called as they are when they're caught in their lies. I want to see deceptive people being labeled as deceptive when it's proven they're deceptive. And in turn, I want to see the polar opposite of these types of behavioral characteristics replace them. Because for every terrible person you have making things bad because they have the power to, you have an equally competent person that would probably provide a net benefit to the rest of us if only they were put in the position of power in the first place. That's fantastic. So more accountability is needed. Transparency specifically and you know we've talked about this a little bit Vic, or at least i've ranted at you about it a little bit transparency if it won't come on its own it will be forced and this tool that we're using right now to conduct this video call and everything else is one of the ultimate it's the pen ultimate creation of humanity for forced transparency how many people have we seen try to lie only to be proven wrong by technology that doesn't know how to lie. It only, what, what's the expression? The video camera never lies. It shows you what's in front of it. 
right? So if your story is going against what we have documented video evidence of from multiple sources, it's safe to assume that we can label you as a fucking liar and move on and ignore you. So yeah, that's, that's, that's my current observation on it is humanity is on this upward trend of identifying and disposing of bad faith actors because they can't hide anymore. They can't. Technology has made it impossible for them to hide no matter how hard they try to. Period. When we spoke before, um, you mentioned that unfortunately you spent some time as a narcotics addict. Um, we were just looking for a little bit of background and how it came to be. Oh boy. So it was my junior year of college and, you know, to keep it brief without going into detail as to what was causing it, but shit was falling apart for me. And I ended up, you know, just leaving. Like I, I cut ties with everybody. I, I left my fucking, uh, I left my phone at home and I just left and I was living downtown for a time. And I wanted to associate with people that were always doing something, I guess, now that I look back on it, it didn't make sense to me at the time, other than it was something to do. If I'm being honest, you know, I, I, like I said, I left and I'm living on the streets for a while and you fall in with people that have these methods of getting money and they have these methods of getting drugs and all this other shit. And you just, there's this really amazing thing that I think most humans, if you're forced to live in a way that you don't find desirable, but you still live, then you're going to live. That sounds like a cop out and excuse, but it's just an easy way to wrap it up. The fact of the matter is, is I chose to do it. And just like I've told Vic, and I think I've told you before, Cootie, like the the main reason I got away from, uh, I, I liked smoking meth a lot for about a year. And I came to a point where I realized that if I continued doing this, it was going to cost me everything that I had previously valued being gone. It would be irretrievable if I continue down this road because I had been proven to, I will lie to people. I will, I will steal from people. I will do all of these terrible things to keep this one fucking thing in my system. It's either that or not that. So you're at a sort and, of crossroads, would you say, where you were like, okay, right, it's either everything I know or this one thing. And it was kind of like a, which direction do I go in? Well, I mean, to put it in a basic, to understand the uh, format, it's did I value everything that I had come to value before finding this drug or did I value the drug more? And, you know, through a lot of, uh, I'm not going to say that the answer came easy to me. It, it, like, honestly, if it wasn't for a series of very horrendous events happening that I was, I was witness to, I don't know that I would have had the ability to value my family and, and my friends and all the other things that I would have been throwing away in order to keep the struggle in my system had it not been for being there to see those things. And, you know, reality, when it hits you, it knocks you down and it keeps hitting you until you get it. And thankfully, slash, unfortunately, I was I was witness to a lot of things that left me with the conclusion as good as this feels, it's not worth what I'm paying for it. Like, and to, you know, wrap all the way back around, the only reason I quit using that shit is because I liked it too much. Like, 
you you know i i didn't get away from it because i saw it as disgusting or this and no it was the opposite i saw it as one of the best things on the fucking planet that humans had ever bothered to mess with and find out hey it makes you feel this way <laughs> but at the end of the day it's like i i uh i couldn't willfully choose that over everything else so i didn't and to this day i don't you know, I don't stay away from meth because I hate it. I stay away from it because I love it. <laughs> That's just what it is. That's really honest. No, I really appreciate that. I mean, it's it's really remarkable because if you find, you know, the, the Narcotics Anonymous and the Alcoholics Anonymous, all these other groups that are in relation to this sort of struggle with substance abuse of any kind, opioids, alcohol, it doesn't matter the most successful of counselors that you'll usually find are people with absolute candor that have been there. Because let me tell you to understand how bad it can really be. You should experience how bad it can really be before you go offering insight onto it. That's just my personal opinion. So Walt, I just want to steer back into our, into the segment that we were just talking about and that was regarding your experience, obviously, uh, as being a, a narcotics addict or, so the original question was that how did you come to realize that this was an addiction? Well, I mean, candidly, the first time that I willfully deceived someone that was really close to me just to get money to, I, you know, and you can see where this is going. I told them the money was for one thing when clearly it was for another. And this person having trusted me to do with the money, as I said, I would told them I would do gave it to me. And then I ran off and did something else with them and never told them. Like it was in that moment where I'm like, I'm willing to lie to someone that genuinely matters to me just for money. So I can get this. That's a problem. That's a red flag. If you will. But, and I'm not, you know, uh, bragging or anything, but it's, uh, it was a long time between that point and me actually leaving it for good. So what what was the time frame? What was the time frame there before you realized it was time for change? That real turning point for you? Because if you mean about 10 and a half months, 10 and a half months. Yeah. And over that 10 and a half months, again, just for detail's sake, it was a collective, twelve thousand dollars that i had lied about to people that were close to me just so i could get money to buy it yeah it was it was bad it was really 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 bad and it would have only gotten worse to the point where these people would have eventually thrown me away rightfully so because at that point i would have been a proven fucking liar and a thief Mm -hmm. and for 10 months there i was you know, I had a lot of atonement to do, and I'm glad to say that I paid, you know, every one of those people back after making the decision that I made to not throw my life away to that shit. Yeah. But the mistakes that I made are the mistakes that I made, and there's no one doing them. There's only atonement. What sort of support did you receive during your recovery journey? every single bit that you could imagine and i'll give it to you in detail that you might not have thought of in the first place because you know i elaborated on the many people that were close to me that i deceived for money to get this shit and when i came clean to them and i told them i'm going to make a change i'm going to repay you they didn't laugh me out of the room they didn't tell me you're fucking worthless blah blah 
they believed me and they gave me a chance to prove myself. And when I started doing as I said I would do, they supported me. These same people that, you know, I had willfully lied to again for money were willing to give me a chance to redeem myself before they threw me out entirely. And that was that, that, that that's huge when you make the what you personally consider what I personally considered at the time to be the biggest mistake of my life. And the people that you've made these mistakes toward in pursuit of your own dumb shit are not immediately dismissive of your efforts to say, I'm sorry, and to prove that you're sorry by way of your actions. They say, okay, well, you've said, you know, what we want to hear, now do it. So you do it. And you know, the whole recovery thing, just to circle back, I, I don't think that I'll ever recover from it because I, I, I don't think the word is applicable in this scenario. You know, to say that you've heard this a lot of times and it's true, it's a daily struggle because just always to beat the same drum that needs to be beaten. I love that shit. So every day, you know, I've got money. I could easily fucking go find it and buy it and smoke it and be right back in it. You got to ignore that impulse, but it's still there. You feel me? Like yeah. my memory of how great I felt on that shit will never go away. And my desire to feel that good again, I personally don't think will ever go away. But where I get to assert myself is in denying myself that which I want most. And it's, it's, it's beautiful to me personally to be painfully aware of that which you would most desire. But you're also aware that it would cost you more than you're willing to spend. So you just say, fuck off, me. <laughs> <laughs> but that's, that's an insane amount of willpower and one that you definitely should be commended for because not everyone's got that. And though I do think everyone should possess that, it's just a fact that not everyone has it. So bloody kudos to you, to be honest. Um, and another question, um, which is a bit more, you know, take a step back, reflect. Um, and I don't know if you've already done it. Um, you probably have knowing you, but what advice would you give to someone who's suffering from a drug addiction? I mean, you know, I'll be honest with you, Cootie. I'm not very good at the whole generalistic advice because I like addressing us human. You know me, I'm, I painfully identify us as the individuals we are, and my greatest joy is giving insight onto an individual. But in general, if I'm going to make the assumption that this person, because, you know, uh, he can't discount true misanthropes, some humans truly do enjoy living a, a life of absolute squalor and, and fetid addiction. Uh, Gigi Allen comes to mind. Um and for those, there's nothing you can say to them that's going to change their mind because they know what they're doing. They know it's terrible and they're going to do it anyway. But if you're going through what I would call the stereotypical reasons behind your drug addiction, whether it's opioids or it's narcotics or it's booze or anything, whatever, is I can only apply my own experience to it where, like I said, my my crossroads as you put it was which one do i want which one do i value more because which one i want more is painfully obvious that's the drug i want the drug more 
but which one do I, you know, need more? Which one is going to provide? Like, if you don't have anyone in your life that is worth considering how they might feel in response to what you're continually doing, then you're probably not going to stop. But if you have a family, you know, like I remember that show Intervention and it always made me real sad because I remember feeling somewhat like that, but I never had anyone approach me like that. Like the majority of the people that I deceived during my time were kind of just looked the other way. You know, they, they, they didn't want to cause a scene kind of thing, blah, blah, blah. But for the ones that have been putting up with it for 10 plus years and they finally had enough and they went on the show, it's just like, these are, these are the currency that you're actually spending on that addiction. And if you can personally say that that means more to you than they do spend away. But in my heart of hearts, I don't think your average human would make that purchase. It's the, the hardest part about addiction, in my opinion, is getting yourself to realize and it's, it's, it's cliche is all hell, but it's true. You have to be the first person to acknowledge you have a problem that needs to be fixed. If you can't do that, nothing anybody says to you will help. Nothing. Nothing at all. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's a yeah, wonderful exactly. answer. That's a wonderful I answer. Thank you, Will. Many could, much could be said as well about many other problems as long as uh, we've come to the first step, which is realization. Well, realization and self-awareness, Vic, you know, the thing that separates us from every other mammalian life form on this planet is that we have a higher sense of self-awareness than any other mammal that lives on the planet Earth. We are a part of the collective known as humanity. But beyond that, we're all we're all individuals, every single one of us. We may as well all be leopards with distinctly unique patterns and stripes and dots it's you know the similarities between us they end on the on the dna scale of things how we express ourselves what we create what we say what we do who we do it to but it's uh now if uh if you've got a chance to speak to a younger version of yourself (laughs) pick up the phone and then he would immediately pick up uh, what sort of advice would you give him? Oh, see, that's a rub is I've explored that so much. I actually wrote like uh, I wrote my sophomore thesis on that in college uh, was an exploration of this exact question. And the first thing that comes to my mind is you need to consider how like, let's say I'm 36. So 20 years ago, I'm 16. You, The first thing you need to consider if you could have this opportunity is do you know who you were back then? Because if you do, you should be able to formulate how your 16-year-old self might respond to any offered advice. So just being as realistic as possible, 36-year-old me gets on the phone and hits up 16-year-old me and starts offering all of this wisdom and shit. 16-year-old me is going to be able to put up with about five minutes of my incessant rambling and then hang up. <laughs> That's just how 16-year-old me would have been, bro. Like... You know, I was the epitome at 16 of can't tell me shit. Like, so, yeah, it's it's, it's one. It's, it's a really fun exercise. But at the same time, it's like if you acknowledge who you were at that age, it's like you'd probably come to the realization that 
older you probably would have had a very short conversation with the younger you if for no other reason than younger you probably didn't want to hear that shit. (laughs) (laughs) So (laughs) it's kind of like you fucked if you do, you fucked if you don't, you know? (laughs) No, of course. If I could give myself advice at 16 and assuming that 16-year-old me would take it to heart and actually use it, it would be, uh, you know, the obvious. Don't let what people say to you get to you to the point where you're the one doing something that's unreasonable. I do think, though, that particularly boys, you know, 16 to 20, that kind of age, you're, full, you're filled with hormones, you think that the world's at your fingertips, and they tend to be a bit feisty. <laughs> we get it loads here. <laughs> I mean, it's recklessness paired with, you know how neurological development works, right, Cootie? Because for the average male human, our brain isn't like our frontal lobes, the most important part of our brain, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, in the male human, these aren't fully formed until around age 25. So from 16 to 20 in particular, yeah, like you pointed out, you find a lot of really impulsive and compulsive behavior in male humans where, like I've been you know, blabbing on this whole time, simply saying the wrong thing to a guy to his face might get your fucking teeth knocked out. but you know as you as you look along the scale right 16 years from being 20 the average 36 year old male will not even consider responding with physical aggression in response to something heinous someone says to them we're more likely to just insult you back yeah but yeah you're you're definitely right so we're kind of lucky (laughs) that you are (laughs) so this is our final question if you want to add anything at the end you can always feel free but this is really the summary as you know what we're about is for our listeners we share stories but ultimately there's a lesson at the end for us all to learn and take away so we've mentioned a lot we've spoken about uh, the system in the US as a whole we've spoken about your next four years we've spoken about the education system we've spoken about your time as a narcotics addict what advice you'd give to yourself even your son so if you could summarize well from all of that if you could give us one lesson that you would like to share with anyone listening what would that be uh first and foremost you as a human that's capable of understanding the words i'm speaking right now are an individual no matter what part of collective group you may feel you belong with on any given ley line, political, ideological, religious, sexual, I don't care. You're a human. You're an individual. Your existence is entirely on your perception and willfulness to interact with it. If you can't accept that, then you relinquish control to those that understand the things I've just stated and will happily use you as the disposable pawn that you are, no matter the institution. So I guess my main point of advice would be um, know who you are with or without the approval of any other human. Huge thank you to Walter Thompson for joining us this week and for sharing the lesson of knowing who you are with or without the approval of any other human. A huge thank you also to our listeners for tuning in to the Truth Be Human podcast. 
In our next episode, we interview Trina Hawkins on the takeoff of her creative startups and the realities of balancing this with being a parent.